everyone. Thank you for listening to The Death of VHS, the movie review podcast. Please remember that the language and topics might not be suitable in a typical work environment, as there might be strong language or triggering topics during the review of movies, ranging from a G rating to an R rating. Thanks again, and enjoy the show. Welcome to a special holiday episode, the Halloween episode of the Death of VHS. I am Jamie, uh, your host to this week, this month, this year for Beetlejuice. 1988. And with me are Jones and Oni. What's up, guys? Hey, hey everyone. Hey, hey. All right. So let's jump into those stats and uh, hear about how well Beetlejuice did. All right. So let's see. Beetlejuice was um, released March 30th in 1988, directed by Tim Burton. It's a, classified as a comedy fantasy. It was made on a budget of $15 million. Opening weekend did really good numbers. It did uh, half of that, about $8 million, which in 2022 would be worth about $20 million. Over its run, it made $74 million, which again in 2022 is $187 million. Nice. So at the time, I guess that would be a pretty good hit. Uh, it also is actually the first movie that we reviewed that has won an Academy Award. For best makeup, oh, so that's cool. pretty. I didn't cool. realize that at all. It's uh, which I think it's yeah, it's well deserved. I think if if you look at a lot of the background characters and mm-hmm. some of the scenes, they actually do a really good job. The whole waiting room, yeah, is amazing. Yeah, so that's the uh, that's the numbers for for um, Beetlejuice. That's that's awesome. Uh, yeah, that, that's crazy. I can't believe they won best makeup. I totally forgot or just didn't know it, but it makes sense because that's incredible stuff. They yeah, have. yeah. Yeah, it, it won a couple other um, smaller awards, but yeah, that's that's the big one. It, it won a couple Saturn awards, a one for best horror film, best makeup, and best supporting actress. Oh, nice. Yeah, so that's uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, deserved. it's a, it's the first one that we've talked about that actually has won anything. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Yeah, I think it's funny that it opened on it did so well, but it opened in March. March thirtieth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's uh, that's usually kind of like the dumping ground for for um, movies that I think the studios don't think will do well. Yeah. You know, March through kind of. Uh, I'm sorry, January through March. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's uh, it's nice to see w- one of those movies pull in some some decent numbers. Yeah, uh, that's surprising. I would have ass- yeah. definitely assumed that it was like a holiday Halloween movie. You know. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's crazy, March. So yeah, for those listening, the basic uh, synopsis, uh, without getting you know going step by step of how the movie goes, it, it revolves around a deceased couple and who are actually really good, decent human beings, and uh, they end up haunting their home, but they're obviously terrible at being ghosts when it comes to uh, removing these new this new family that moves into their home. And so they have to unfortunately reach out to an awesome character, though not very awesome to them, uh, Beetlejuice, who considers himself a bio-exorcist, in order to try and scare away the, the new residents. 
including their daughter, Lydia. And somehow the cartoon, I actually, I'm trying to remember the cartoon that spawned from this. They, they no longer try to scare the parents. It's just Lydia's adventures in the like netherworld, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, a great movie and a freaking great cartoon. I, I, I used to love that cartoon. Yeah, Tim Tim Burton was actually an executive producer for the animated show. Oh, that's pretty cool. That makes sense. Yeah. So, and I loved cool. I loved how they took like in the movie. I feel like a, a couple of the lines are kind of one offers. Like you know, it's showtime, which was a great line, but that became like a tagline for the cartoon. Yep. It's showtime. You know, I'm the I'm the ghost with the most. That was just a one yeah. quick thing he said, and then boom, that became a tagline for the cartoon. I'm the ghost with the most, babe. Love that. But anyway, what did you guys think about it overall? I mean, like it, it's a great movie. Like this this is n- not just a cult classic. It, it's a movie that uh, I guess allows like I don't want to be be mean or anything, but like odd people kind of a platform this was like one of their first movies that allowed that to happen because this movie itself is so outrageous like it had no real grounds no real i mean the plot was there but just from a writing perspective it had just craziness all over it and and having tim burton do it as his second directorial debut uh, and have it do so well is is really, really a testament to what what the movie means to to the people. Um, like I said, it, releasing in March and having those great numbers is really crazy, especially for the oddity of the film itself. And um, honestly, it, it was it has musical numbers. <laughs> it has it has everything you'd ever want in a in a movie itself. Uh, it has everything. Uh, especially for a horror fantasy, that'd be like that's pretty accurate, and it just seems like a movie that you could just grab onto no matter what your age is. I mean, it has some adult themes in it for sure, but I mean, it's basically kind of throwing in the face of the snobby, stereotypical New Yorker, uh, which I thought was really funny, uh, and of course. I mean, you have a great cast overall. I mean, Alec Baldwin's in it. Uh, I mean, like, Lydia's actress. God, why, I don't know why her name escapes me, because she's so great. Winona uh, Ryder? Winona Ryder, yeah. Uh, she's she's fantastic. I mean, honestly, I think she's a great actress in everything she does. Um, and she, she can play that, like, silent, mm-hmm. like, not really mean person, but sarcastic person really, really well. Uh, she has the knack for that. I don't know if that's a dig at her or, or a compliment. I want it to be a compliment. So, Winona, if you ever listen to this, which you probably won't, it's a compliment, I promise you, because I love sarcasm. <laughs> um, but, I mean, you got such a stellar cast. Everybody is basically in on the movie and giving 100%. And, of course, Michael Keaton just throws it out of the ballpark. And I, I thought the movie was just phenomenal I, I enjoy it every time i watch it um i hope you all enjoy it as well out in the air in the audience and if you don't definitely throw in the comments you, why because i want i want to yeah, know why. i um 
I'm agree a lot with uh, with Oni on this one. Uh, I think it's really good. I think it's cool to see Winona Ryder's character, which is pretty impressive considering this is only her third acting credit. The first was two years prior, so she she went you know from two years from a, a small film to to Beetlejuice, you know, acting with with Tim Burton uh, directing and Michael Keaton. And you have like Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis. So I thought that was pretty cool um, that Winona Ryder kind of just jumped in and, and immediately. I don't want to stay stole the show, but she did really well. And uh, as, you know, as Lydia. But yeah, th- then you have a lot of really great supporting characters like Otho. I thought was really was really good. He you was know, great. <laughs> as, as her designer and, and, and a medium. I thought he was really good. Um, same thing. With Catherine O'Hara, you know, as Delia, Delia was great. And then you have Charles, her husband, mm-hmm. Jeffrey Jones. He was really good in it as well. So it's got a great cast, a cast that has been in quite a bit up until then. So the, the movie itself is pretty stacked, I think. But overall, you know, the plot is simple. It's funny. It has a lot of charm. Adam and Barbara are, are really, you know, characters you want to root for. They seem like great people. And yeah, it's just, it's got a lot of funny little like sight gags, especially in like the waiting room. Um, so a lot of like the hereafter stuff is, is really fun to look at, especially like the football team. They keep calling her coach. Uh, it's, uh, it's stuff like that it was really funny. So yeah, I, 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 I really liked it. It's, uh, I, I remember it being a lot longer, <laughs> but the runtime's really short. I think it's only about an hour and a half. So it's yeah, a short movie. Long. Yeah, it did feel it did go by pretty quick. Yeah, I, I feel like it, it it felt longer to me as as a kid, but um, yeah, it's, uh, it's really short. Yeah, but yeah, o- overall, what is the actual I, I runtime. Uh, a min- an hour and thirty two minutes. Oh, it is thirty two. I thought it was less than that. Even okay. Yeah, so barely ninety two minutes. It's not that long. But uh, yeah, but yeah, still that's... very very good. Uh, you know, it, it it packs it in. So it it doesn't mm-hmm. you know overstay its welcome, it's well paced, so that that's the good thing you know you never feel like boy this movie's dragging. So one one thing though that I did mm-hmm. notice for a movie called Beetlejuice, uh, he himself isn't in the movie a lot you know up until really the third act when he right. really breaks nineteen percent yeah the that's film it see the whole <laughs> runtime nineteen percent that's, that's so it. small to me that that. Um, 17 and a half minutes of Beetlejuice. Ah, yeah. So the titular <laughs> character is only in it for, for less than a fifth of the movie. That's uh, That seems really, really short to me. But it, it's still cool because, like I said, Adam and Barbara, they're really good characters. And and then, you know, Delia and Lydia, and they, they all carry the movie well. It's fun seeing the shenanigans with Adam and Barbara trying to, to haunt them and, and all the stuff that they can think of. So, yeah, it, it works well. And even though we don't get a whole lot of Beetlejuice, what we get is enough, I think. That, that's, that's my thoughts. I, I think it's really well done. I want more. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think the whole world <laughs> yeah. wanted more Beetlejuice. <laughs> that, that's why there's a, sh- there's a musical. <laughs> there's, yep. a, there's a show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody wants more Beetlejuice. Yeah, that was recent, I right? I, I, musical, um, yeah, I feel like I remember hearing that just a year or two ago. Yep, I think it uh, here. 
I'll look it up. You guys keep talking. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But, yeah, um, I feel like it was kind of recent too. Oddly enough. What What about you, Jamie? What are you thinking? Oh, I. It's such a great movie from childhood. It, and uh, one of the things that I, I, now that I look back on it as I'm older, and I, you know, of course, you pick up on different things. I feel like they they did a really good job of picking these two characters. They don't give a whole lot of backstory before they kill them off. Literally about, I want to say it's eight minutes in is when they die. Yeah. And so they, like, the way that you can make two people really likable and then kill them off in eight minutes is pretty creative and pretty good. Yeah. And I agree. that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yep. And, and uh, what was it? The one thing I really like, too, is being a fan of the 80s, you see Jeffrey Jones mostly play villains or characters <laughs> that are just kind of douchebags, but he plays like a really likable character. Mm. Yes. <laughs> like, he genuinely <laughs> likes the house. He, like, really just appreciates what the house has to offer, I think. Yep. Where his wife obviously doesn't. Yeah, but he has, like, he has some, he has some other motives. I like to make though. money. But I think he protects that that office space when she wants to go through it. He's like, "No, don't touch this." Yeah, I mean, like he he doesn't want anything changed because he sees the value sure, of right, the house sure. itself. I still see that as a good thing. But he does have, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's you know, it, it's a little deviation, minor, I guess. But either way, I still like I still like his character <laughs> way more than Ferris Bueller or or uh, remote yeah. control yep. i think it was no not remote control <laughs> stay tuned stay tuned with awesome another good one with, with jeffrey jones in case no one's seen it yes but yeah uh, and then what was the other one? Oh, and there's a part in the very beginning so right after they die and they walk into the house and I, they're at the fireplace and alec baldwin sees the the handbook and he immediately misreads it and it's very subtle he goes and he and he talks about oh it's the book for the recently diseased and she's like deceased. Book for the recently diseased. Deceased. Deceased. I don't know where it came from. And then he just they keep going. <laughs> <laughs> it's something that everybody does, and I love that. I love that they have little things like that. Yeah, I, I think that just adds to the charm of of Adam and Barbara too. Little things like that. Like, they're so innocent. Like, they're dead. But, like, yes. oh, the handbook for the recently diseased. Like, yeah, innocent. Just, that's a yeah, good, it's funny. good way to describe it. Yeah, they're very, very innocent. Yeah, that's and it's so fantastic. And then there was <laughs> one um, There was one very brief uh, goof, as uh, IMDb likes to describe them, where when Ortho first gets into the house, he at, when he gets into the house, he's wearing red shoes. When he walks into the bathroom, he suddenly has white shoes. And then when he walks out of the bathroom, he has red shoes again. And oh, it's just a I, weird thing. And, and yeah, inconsistency yeah. there. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't notice that one. Nice. Yeah, it was just a, a very odd. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think because they probably shot that him walking into the bathroom at a separate time and he just had more comfortable shoes on, you know. It's right. something very simple like that, probably. And they're probably even meant to shoot him from, like, you know, even maybe waist up, and they just exactly. like, oh, this, this looks so much better. Let's just use this take instead. And this yeah, came exactly. Yep. But the magic of movie making, those things happen. <laughs> Did you guys have a favorite uh, quote, favorite line? Oh, man, it's hard to... It's hard to 
you know, argue against it's showtime. Uh, it's showtime. Okay. So that line itself is, I mean, it transcended the movie uh, in all aspects. It's used everywhere um, from that moment forward. It's used in a lot of different things, you know, radio shock jocks, um, just trailers for other things. Um, that that line is so so great, but I think my favorite like little bit of the movie is when they talk about how um, like if if you commit suicide, you become a public servant in yeah. the afterlife. Yes, I because love that. all of the public servants. Because th- what I love about the movie is death is very personal mm-hmm. for for everybody who dies. It's very personal, but right. they still understand that there's different types of death is is more terrible and selfish than the other that's why you become mm-hmm. a public servant if you commit suicide and you know you have the dude that literally got ran over a car because he pushed himself in front of it uh you got <laughs> you know the miss america or the pageant receptionist who slit a wrist i mean like it's the fact that just the theme death is personal really reaches out i think um Especially because yeah, they, they're trying to toy with what happens to you in the afterlife, and I think that yes. was that was really creative, really smart. Yeah, I love the way yeah. they displayed the afterlife. That was yep. it, oh, yeah, it was great. Yeah, that the whole waiting room scene where you can see how everyone died. You have the one guy who has a bib on and looks like there's a piece of chicken or something stuck in his throat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, yeah. That whole scene, um, it just—it's a feast. I like going back over it and seeing the way everyone is dead, um, you yeah. know, and how how they met their end. Uh, it, I thought that was um, pretty funny. That's probably my favorite scene. But for a favorite quote, I would probably go with Juno, their caseworker. Her mm-hmm. her never trust the living. Never trust the living. She she just seems like so <laughs> over the whole thing. And uh, it's just, it's, I don't know why that line just kind of um, stuck with me, but I really like that one. I never trust the living. But yeah, I, I think some of the best scenes were, the, were in, the, in the afterlife, uh, definitely revolving around the waiting room. I, I love those scenes. And, and again, with Juno in Juno's office, the, the football team, you know, they keep calling her coach. And uh, it's just, was so funny. yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> and she's just like so done with them. Like you it's uh, it's great, but yeah, that's uh, that's definitely it for me. I, I really really like the afterlife parts. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. that you know, the fact that the coach lived yeah. really cracks yeah. me up. Like yeah. Yeah, the whole team died. The coach lived. Coach, yeah, shout out to the. It. I don't think we survived that crash. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to the costume designers and the makeup artists oh, man. of Beetlejuice. I think so they good. did a phenomenal job. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's, the sets. Uh, oh. The, it was a the, visually I mean, very a fun movie. Perfect example of why practical effects and practical makeup over CGI, I feel like, will will be timeless forever. Yeah, yeah. Even the stop motion parts, 100%. right? Like the the animated yeah. parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was yeah. great. With the worms, or mm-hmm. like when he turns into a snake, that would scare me way more <laughs> yeah. than if they did a CGI stairs. You know? Honestly, that was scary as a child. Mm-hmm. That, like that scared me when I first watched the movie. Yeah, you know, I'm. I'm I'm young comparative, but I mean, yeah, that was 
I was kind of terrified. The snake, <laughs> yeah, forget that. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was scary. <laughs> Now I look at it going, that's just a masterpiece. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it really is. You know, so good. So yeah. well done. Yeah. And when you're talking about the waiting room, uh, what was the, the, so the guy that got ran over, what was his, was he their lawyer, you said? I don't I missed know that he what was his title was. I think he might have just been an aide. Yeah. Okay. Like an assistant like an of aide some kind. To, assistant to uh, Juno. Mm-hmm. Saying she can see you now, or directing yeah. traffic within an office space. Yeah, I loved how they how much thought they put into how, that's like, kind of funny. How would this guy move directing around traffic? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he got ran over. And they have him on a conveyor belt, and then they have like the way he moves from room to room. He goes through like this incredibly thin partition between the walls. And I love that. <laughs> like, they thought about like, okay, this they guy's flat. Everything. How does he move around? It's I, it was so wonderful. Yes. Yeah. I really like how, especially with that, like the the movie itself, um, especially comparative to to other movies around the time, it's very play type of style. It, it was meant to be told on stage, I think, um, because you have like acting cues, you have these transitions, you have all of this, you know, great costume design, like all of this stuff, especially for the physical. Um, makeup and stuff like that that's really much a theater Mm -hmm. level uh, kind of production so I really like how it has that that plague like you're only in two overall settings right you're in the house or you're either in the afterlife waiting Mm -hmm. room essentially right that's it so and and you have it's it's very much a set design kind of movie and, and you don't really see that too much especially in modern films because they're they can be shoot shot everywhere and at that time you didn't really have those kind of options to keep shooting at different locations over and over and over again so for the script that they got it's very much a theater type of style they had to approach it this way because they're like well we got basically three overall arching sets you know outside of the house Inside of the house is primary, and then you have this, which is still a part of the house, technically, because they draw the door in the attic right. to go into the afterlife. So it's very much, and I'm, I'm not surprised that they made a musical out of it, because it did come from that kind of perspective, mm-hmm. that it, this is easily adaptable to the stage, or it should have been meant for stage production. Yeah, no, that and that makes a lot of sense, too, because uh, it, it is a visually... A very appealing movie, like you said, mm-hmm. costumes, makeup, the sets. Yeah, it kind of lends itself to to the stage. And you you mentioned the musical. I think like we 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 glossed over. We didn't even actually mention one of one of the funniest scenes in the movie, which is the the banana boat <laughs> song. Right when they're possessed initially, mm-hmm. um, and they start singing and and, and dancing. Yeah. Deo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you actually hear it in <laughs> you, you hear it in the, the background. background of of uh the movie right. prior to that scene. At 1250. Like they, I made note of that cuz I I noticed it too. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm like cuz I'm listening to it just right here mm-hmm. looking at my computer having it come out of the speakers I was like wait, I that's that's the song. Uh, it's not that time yet, but that's that's the song, and uh, it, it's creation because that that scene is so outlandish. <laughs> they did that on purpose, that mm-hmm. they wanted to uh, basically kind of give you a taste of that that uh, song first, 
to have it actually purposely right. in the movie in that scene. You know, they want you to they want you to think about it. They want that earworm in your hair prior or it in was, your hair in your brain. Come on, it, John. It, it was <laughs> very wake up. very subtle though. Like I don't I don't yeah. remember hearing it ever until I have headphones on. Yeah, I literally didn't hear it until this time around. Yeah. Like prior. I I did not have any memory of hearing it prior. So to, yeah, it was like a subliminal message almost. <laughs> you know? And it could be like it could be one of those things like that you yeah. need to watch movies multiple times. Mm-hmm. You really do. And I think that that's that's the theme of movies. They're they're designed to be repeatable. They're designed to be you know, uh, watched multiple times. And I think a lot of people yes. like doing that anyway, right? That's why VHSs and all that stuff stood the test of time because they're they're formatting that you can just plug in, rewind, yeah, absolutely. and then plug in again. And uh, I think that's one of those little things about the movie where you're like, I'm not going to notice this first time around. And that's why movies should be watched again so you can see those small little things again in the comments all you audience other stuff that you you saw second time around let us know mm-hmm. absolutely yeah i yeah i totally agree i know um <laughs> so it's talking about favorite quotes mine and i'm definitely going to play this clip in the editing because uh there's no way i can do it the way uh michael keaton did it but when they ask him what his qualifications are and he goes into, oh and he changes his accent. He's like, well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I traveled quite extensively. I lived through the Black Plague and had a pretty good time doing that, you know. For instance, uh, what are your qualifications? Ah, well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I lived through the Black Plague, and I had a pretty good time during that. I've seen The Exorcist about 167 times, and it keeps getting funnier every single time I see it. Not to mention the fact that you're talking to a dead guy. Now, what do you think? You think I'm qualified? Oh, yes. The way he did that. <laughs> this yeah. is so good. And the way he looks versus the way he talks when he talks about Juilliard. Mm-hmm. That was the that was so perfect. <laughs> the fact that he can just momentarily switch. And that was all, all done mm-hmm. him. That was all Keaton. Because um, I, I wanted to see if he had the same qualifications as Beetlejuice, like the actor himself, Michael Keaton. He doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> he absolutely doesn't. But that was just him riffing. Yeah. When when they asked that question, and uh, I, it was genius. <laughs> like it was perfect. I loved it. Loved that. Oh, it was so original. And then, and then at the, when he when he when he when he gets to like the. Uh the apex of that of that line and then he starts getting angry he's like not to mention the fact that you're talking to a dead guy like it, it's like okay this yeah. guy can get scary yeah. you know like he's funny but i would definitely take him seriously like, and not piss yeah. him off juno juno was right to warn them not to mess with him definitely mm-hmm. unhinged and i think they and yeah and that switch, that that bipolarish, you know, switch mood swing, if you want to call it that, switch between, well, you know, I'm proper, and then now I'm really angry. I think really set the tone oh, yeah. for him, and uh, it, it definitely scared. <laughs> it scared them enough that they're like, mm, we shouldn't work with this guy. Yeah, and they definitely <laughs> dialed that back for the cartoon because he's yeah. obviously more uh, likable. Uh, I don't know, he's more of a guilty conscience in the cartoon. Yeah. And, and and actually that part where he's where he's saying that that brings me to technically if they're doing a play, a really fun 
uh, set piece would be the model. And so for those that haven't seen it yet, mm-hmm. Adam, the main guy uh, played by Alec Baldwin. Um, mm-hmm. Alec Baldwin. Yeah, he has this really cool uh, to scale, uh, like a one-eighth scale model of the town. And Beetlejuice lives in that scale model. And they have some really good scenes when they have to dig up through the cardboard, you know, to dig him out of his grave. And oh, I love that right. they included that. Oh, they didn't yeah. make, you know, they didn't have to make it. Prop was so Yes, good. and when he kicks over the tree, he's like, yeah, good, good model. <laughs> like, oh, no, good fucking model. Yeah. That's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so oh, good. man. And then, like, the uh, the red light district when he's when he needs to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> It's full of spikes, yeah. and it's just walking out there. And they're clearly rubber and, like, bouncing around, but it doesn't matter. Because <laughs> Gina Davis made it look like it really hurt. You know? <laughs> it's so good. Like, honestly, uh, and that's what I really love about the movie is that uh, the – so I read that the script itself um, was very much what you see, that Tim Burton – and again, this is his second time directing a full-fledged movie. He did a bunch of shorts prior. He did Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Mm-hmm. That was his first movie um, that he he directed. This is his second one, and he had next to none, like actual notes from the writers. So he had a literally just what you see out on the film is Tim Burton and the actors just full sending it. And everybody giving their hundred percent, and I, I I like that. I like that you feel that energy. You feel the natural chemistry. I really love the natural chemistry uh, between the two main characters mm-hmm. um, because it just it, Alec Baldwin has great chemistry, and it just made the movie so much more enjoyable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then. Um, yeah scene where uh, they're talking to him for the first time and then suddenly Beetlejuice is dressed like Adam Baldwin's character. <laughs> He's like, hey, mm-hmm. Hermosa, come on, man. <laughs> it's so good. Like, uh, and the bigger thing is that Michael Keaton, it took him, took basically Tim Burton asking three times mm-hmm. for Michael Keaton to do it. Um, Which is funny. Because say his name three times anyway. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's prophetic. Uh, self-fulfilling prophecy there. Yeah, so uh, I watched an interview that Michael Keaton had with Charlie Rose um, in 2014 uh, because my big thing is that I really want to know what the actors think about their roles now mm. and, and what they think about the movies. And this is actually Michael Keaton's favorite character he's ever done. Oh. Um, the fact that he works with Tim Burton six total times, two of them right. being Batman mm. movies... Uh, but this is his first time with Tim Burton. He's like, I really like Tim Burton as a as a person. Uh, I just couldn't get the movie. Like, I didn't understand the movie, mm-hmm. right? Which I think is very on relatable. Paper, especially like, on if paper. I ever got that script, I'd be like, <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> like this, this no. Like, hey, do you have like <laughs> uh, a movie I can see to understand what you're talking about, please? <laughs> <laughs> I, I need a trailer. <laughs> no, we need you to be in for us to, to make the trailer. Um, but I mean, he really had that, like, like this is, this dude's awesome, but I don't, I don't get it. Like I, I can't see myself in it, mm-hmm. which I think is really important for an actor to, to really judge like full yeah. fledged. It can't be about the money. It's going to be about the money, 
but they have to be able to see themselves yeah. in the film for it to be a good film. And then the third time around, he's like, well, I have an idea. This is what I think now, now that I've taken a look at it for a little bit. And that's how the makeup, all of what you see Beetlejuice-wise was Michael Keaton. Like his his idea of Beetlejuice, it matched so well to Tim Burton's mm-hmm. like thought. That he's like, let's do it. Like the moss on him, yes. you know, just the mold and stuff of Beetlejuice. His hair, he's like, Michael Keaton even said, he's like, I wanted him to look like he stuck his <laughs> finger in a socket to have his hair come out. And I thought that was such a good good thing for Michael to do. But yeah, Keaton, Keaton loves this film. He talked about how at that time in 2014, he was out in coffee, of course, if you see Michael Keaton out in coffee, it's hard to not, like, stare or be like, oh, my God, it's Michael Keaton. Um, but a fan of his came up with their little girl, and their little girl's favorite movie was Beetlejuice. So he talks about how this movie's, like, stood the test of time, that everybody likes it because it's it's just so original. Like, you don't have anything to kind of compare Beetlejuice to. It's outlandish. You, you had nothing to really go on except for the writer's disturbed thoughts that he put out there and uh tim burton just took that and made it a masterpiece and, yeah and so good i'm sure you guys so. saw this uh this little piece of trivia but it, uh, it it made me want a sequel that could okay so originally the studio wanted to call the film house ghosts and of course tim burton hated that so as a joke yep. he suggests the name scared sheetless which he thought was just so absurd, but then the studio actually considered using it. Oh, so geez. what a perfect sequel name. Like, if they ever do a sequel, because I know they, they've, they've had discussions on it, and Michael Keaton said he was up for it, last I heard. But that would be a, an awesome, like, Beetlejuice, Scare Cheatless. That would be a fantastic name, and throwback to that little bit. Yeah. That would be great. That would be great, and it's a lot better than House Ghosts. Yeah, oh, House Ghosts. Oh, my God, that... Isn't that the name of a show right oh, now yeah, on Paramount no. Plus? Yeah, I think it's called garbage. House Ghost, as a matter of fact. <laughs> no idea, but it, it sounds incredibly generic. <laughs> so. And maybe that's why we don't get Beetlejuice maybe. enough in the movie. That they're trying to think of titles and like, maybe we should just name it after a character. And and I like to equate Beetlejuice, when people think about, about the idea of Beetlejuice mm-hmm. not being in the movie that much, I mean, less than 20% yeah. is pretty significant. Um, I, I like to equate it to Romeo and Juliet. Um, the movie, the the actual sh- play Romeo and Juliet, obviously it's about these two lovers, but it really should be called Mercutio. Mercutio is not in it enough, but he's such a plot driver that literally it turns from this funny, romantic thing, and then once when mm-hmm. Mercutio dies, it mm-hmm. immediately becomes tragedy. Mm-hmm. Like, from that point forward, right. it's all death, 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 death. And I, I, that's what I like about Beetlejuice and, and why I think in my mind I also equate it to play because I see, you know, Mercutio, just this character that's introduced act, you know, two, and everybody's like, who's this guy? He's hilarious. He's funny. And then his death literally sets the tone for the rest, mm-hmm. of, the, rest of the play. Yeah, that's a good point. Because uh, just thinking back to that uh, to the movie version with Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes, you're right. Like it's pretty just romantic, cheesy, 
But then when that happens, it completely changes to like rage and everybody needs to die kind of thing. <laughs> I'm not going to say that in, in high school for my senior play, it was Romeo and Juliet. Oh, and nice. It was Mercutio, but it was Mercutio. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Have a little bit of... It's okay. I'll cut all that out. Don't worry. But uh, <laughs> well, yeah, to be, <laughs> to be fair, my girlfriend at the time, my high school sweetheart, was oh, cast nice. as Juliet. So it wasn't really fun <laughs> for me. <laughs> but I loved Mercutio. I, the, I thought it was great great thing but yeah i mean like to equate it to that Mm -hmm. it it makes sense it it matches yeah and so what uh, so yeah i know burton was hired in 1990 to write a sequel called beetlejuice goes hawaiian which sounds awful to me sounds oh boy so terrible but that's that's such a like 80s thing to do Mm -hmm. for a sequel (laughs) i mean we all know weekend at bernie's (laughs) and it's sequel yeah and it's sequel but so apparently, though, it was announced again this year in February that they there's planning another sequel. So, and and then they actually have Keaton and Ryder reprising their roles. So it would be really cool if they name it Scared Cheatless. I would love that. I think it would be fine. I I think it, Beetlejuice has enough popularity that it wouldn't tank out the gate, no matter what it would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think their fan base would be pretty huge. Yeah. Yeah, the, Tim Burton himself is is a genius when it comes to all of his darker films, and uh, I mean, like honestly, I love the Batman movies by Tim Burton too. Um, I oh mean, yeah, they're, they're fantastic. And, but he really had to approach this movie with a, a, a you know, like an experimental type of thought, and uh, I think that really shows. He's like, "What if we do this?" You know, he was very open to things. I saw an interview that he talked about how like he had to approach it with a experimental for the american film institute way back when like when it like came out i'll i'll link that to you so other people can view it but it's uh it was it was an interesting interview because it, if you look up tim burton you would not expect him to look like that <laughs> mm-hmm. like my wife was watching it with me and uh right after the movie i'm looking at all these interviews i'm doing my research and uh she's like i did not expect tim burton to look like that i'd be like what do you think he's just some emo kid with like a bunch of eyeliner yeah. like, you know eyeshadow what what <laughs> he's he looks like a adorable dude and you're just when you think of tim burton you're thinking you know like him dressed all in black you know literally what lydia looks like in yeah, the movie exactly. <laughs> like you're thinking that's what tim burton yeah, looks like he like must be a god or day. something like yeah. <laughs> yeah the the male version of <laughs> <Right>. lydia like <laughs> Well, to to be fair, if you just Google Tim Burton right now, most of his pictures have his hair like Beetlejuice. Yep. So, uh, <laughs> so it, I wouldn't say quite uh, the average Joe look, but uh, definitely a creative individual. But yeah, and it, it makes total sense when you go from Beetlejuice to like Nightmare Before Christmas. I wouldn't say it makes it you would connect the dots to Pee Wee's exactly. Which is kind of—I feel like—makes him an even better director that you could do something completely yeah. different yeah. like that. Yeah, but I mean, uh, I love yeah. Pee Wee's. Oh as yeah, well. same. Like that mm-hmm. for me as a kid, I thought that was—it was deranged, but it was—it was hilarious and funny. Yeah. And, so good. I hope we get a chance yeah. to to review that one because yes. uh, that was one of my yeah. favorites as a kid. It just because and again another prop yeah. heavy movie, like super prop heavy. And I think that's where he really shines. Um, but I think him experimenting with, like, stop motion with um, 
with Beetlejuice really drove him to because uh, you even have Jack Skellington if you didn't know Jack Skellington when Beetlejuice comes out in his carnival oh, yeah. hat you know when he's like now I have free reign here we go and uh, he has Jack Skellington at the top of that yeah tent. you see the face like you see a little Jack Skellington mm-hmm. structure so it, it, I think that stop motion really allowed him that kind of like experience to bring a movie like Nightmare Before Christmas, which happened not too long after, I want to say mm-hmm. five years, I think it was like 1993 or something, to life. And um, I think that that experience really drove him with that. So I'm glad they did a lot of stop motion in that film mm-hmm. and Beetlejuice. Yeah, I, you know that someone out there has, has looked and analyzed all the little characters on that hat, that little carousel hat. I, I wonder if they're all in Nightmare Before Christmas because there's some really interesting shapes that they make that remind me of Nightmare Before Christmas for sure. Mm-hmm. You have the the whole black and mm-hmm. white motif. You got you got everything. It's uh, <laughs> Yeah. They did they did great. Yeah, great, great fantastic. Great. So do you guys think this movie could be made today? Oh absolutely. I do. Heck yeah. 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 Unlike our previous <laughs> I don't think there's entry. anything grossly offensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh like a, one of those timeless comedies I guess in some places I've read classified as a horror comedy. I, I get that if you're young, maybe. It is. Yeah, it's definitely one of those classic comedies for me. I, I think it could very well be made again uh, today. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, not, I don't want it to be oh, no. remade at no. all. No, no, not at all. Like, it, it, I don't think that would be received well. I think it would be a very much a Princess Bride situation where you're like, don't ever mm-hmm. yeah, remake this movie perfect or else people will mm-hmm. ride in the streets <laughs> like uh, ice cream trucks everything will get turned over mm-hmm. like you don't want that you don't want that and, and i think one of the, but, uh, the yeah. good reasons uh more than anything like when you think of remember when barbara and adam have to pick the the face that they want to use to scare mm-hmm. they would just do that in cgi and it would not have nearly the same effect yeah. those were really good uh practical effects when they did those masks yeah with their eyes on her tongue and everything nope was incredible and it was so well mm. done yeah and they just just the transition to it i mean like the transition to it you could tell they they use some computer like yeah imagery transition mm-hmm. and it was like mm. but i mean the final result was just yeah. so great yeah they did that you even forgot about the transition mm-hmm. exactly <laughs> you're looking like man that looked great yeah i think that would be really difficult to to try and master in a CGI format, and yeah, yeah I agree. I, I think even um, just to go back a little know. bit to the numbers, only one million dollars of of the fifteen million dollar budget was for visual effects. So, oh, con- wow. considering like That's all of the nuts. work they did with the stop motion, the makeup, um, a little bit of uh, puppetry, for a million dollars to get the visuals they got out of it, I think that's really impressive. Like mm-hmm. massive props to their like art oh, department man, yeah that's super impressive yeah definitely in, in the in the uh the dance bit with the deo song there was a moment when um the, <sighs> right when they sit down and you can tell that the the shrimp uh what is it cocktail is clearly oh in their right hands, so, you know <laughs> but it didn't matter yeah it didn't matter it was so good yep. still Come on. yeah that was so funny <laughs> it just works dude. it just works yeah it really just works Ah, and then using uh, using her terrible sculptures, which 
I feel like it's it's still a very relevant argument, uh, you know, on what how subjective art is. Because to her, they're these beautiful pieces, but to pretty much everybody else in the movie, they're these god awful, <laughs> atrocious they're creations. Atrocious. <laughs> and they like, and uh, I love how you know the other support cast, like their characters, literally tell her, yep. like, "This is just <laughs> yeah, your yeah. stuff is trash." <laughs> <laughs> when she thinks it's just a beautiful yep, thing she's in love she with created the from her mind. No, it's it's garbage. <laughs> and how about that cameo from Robert Goulet? Uh, if if they do a sequel, yep. it has to be Will Ferrell as Goulet. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, the wedding scene was really really fun too. Yeah, that really the uh, the, the guy scene. or the the character that they had as is like the alien. Who is the, the, the creature or you know the yeah. officiant? Yeah, I feel like I've. I mean, maybe it's just because it looks like a pretty typical, stereotypical alien in the face. But I, I feel like I've seen that before, and mm-hmm. I wonder if it was in the cartoon. It had like, I don't know. It feel if it felt very familiar when I watched it again. But maybe that's <laughs> just because I'm remembering it from a kid. Yeah, I think from the animated series. I think a lot of people. Like yeah, that. I feel like it was too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people like the red dress mm-hmm. for wedding because it's that old adage, right. you know, uh, married in red, better off dead kind oh. of thing. And uh, yeah, I thought that was great as well that Lydia's dressed up in red. And oh, I hadn't, heard, I hadn't even like, heard that on. one. I've heard yep. the thing with blue and old stuff, but not red. <laughs> yep. Married in red, better off dead. And <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's too, that's too perfect. Yeah, that's so, they, so they clever. Literally thought of everything super good. Um, the the uh, the opening of that movie. Um, I know some movies have done it, or maybe even shows where uh, the camera kind of goes into a town, and it's obviously a, a model town because obviously they're kind of showing his mm-hmm. model. But I love that they when they do that in in film. Like obviously they did that for. Um, what was the TV show uh, where he changes his sweater and his shoes? Um, I'm not sure. I can't think of it right now. Oh. Uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. They mm, did that with mm, Mr. Rogers' mm-hmm. Neighborhood. And it's fantastic. I love it when they include miniatures like that. I don't know why. I think it's because I used to love Micro Machines. But... <laughs> yeah. That could be it. It made, it made <laughs> me like... Watching the movie now, I was like... That made me think of like just the tone, the opening shot. Made me really think of like Men in Black. A little bit, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. No, oh yeah, like the way the camera goes well. in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, that's such it, a such a good introduction to a movie, and I th- I think that's that's great. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because Men in Black, you were the it was from the uh, the point of view of the fly, right? Mm-hmm. Of the dragonfly, I think. Yeah. Has anybody looked up? Is that house like a real place, or did they build that just for the? I set? know it was filmed in Vermont. It might just be a set because I think the interiors were shot in California. If I remember correctly, but I don't uh, remember okay. exactly where I read it. So yeah, so all the outdoor stuff was filmed in Vermont. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't a real house at all. It was a temporary. Um, okay. There you go. Facade erected for the movie specifically. Yeah, it was uh, okay. a filming location. Or in uh, Vermont. Uh, looks like it. Built wasn't in Connecticut, but the script, yeah, it was in East. And then the interiors were filmed in in uh, Culver City. Okay. Okay. And then there was that uh, another little funny bit piece was the gag when in the very beginning when Adam is going to go get his. uh, uh, Well, I think it was 
a couple of pieces like like furniture pieces maybe from his his hobby yeah. store or his hardware store and the old guy out front is talking and he just goes in and the guy keeps talking doesn't realize he's gone <laughs> yeah. comes back out the guy's still talking yes yep. <laughs> little yeah, bits like that <laughs> are so good like oh old people you'll never <laughs> cease to make us laugh <laughs> <laughs> I hope I get that I don't want to say C dial yeah. but that that level one day <laughs> Because at that point, you can pretty much get away with anything. Because yep. I'll just go, oh, just he's old. Flip off as many little kids <laughs> as I want. <laughs> oh, man. So good. But yeah, any other final thoughts? I just think it is a infinitely rewatchable movie. It's so fun. Kind of timeless. My personal rating on this one's a four out of five. It's got good laughs. It's got charm. It's got a great cast. It's got some good music. So yeah, that for me, it's just, it's one of the classics. It definitely might be because, you know, I I was very young when I first watched it and it kind of stuck with me. Mm -hmm. I I loved it. It's a four four stars for me. Whoa, whoa. We do, we do different rating scales, sir. Yeah. (laughs) It's got to be a four to five sandworm. I honestly was thinking sandworms too. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Well, I guess four sandworms for me. Saturn, Saturn <laughs> <Okay>. sandworms. <clears throat> nice. How, how about you? Uh, final thought, just so people know, this is one of my favorite facts because I'm a I, I love constellations and stuff. Uh, Betelgeuse was named after the star Betelgeuse on the Orion constellation, and Orion's my favorite one. You know, Orion the Hunter. Everybody knows his belt. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I think I think it would get. Honestly, for me, I, I love the movie. I don't think there's much they could improve in it um given it's a it's in late 80s film where a lot of stuff technology wise was at um and i do think it's infinitely rewatchable as well i'm gonna give it five sandworms wow nice nice that is impressive you know i'm definitely torn between you, you both, when I rate movies, it's definitely not, it's not the story necessarily. It's for me, it's gotta be like, can I watch this over and over again? And, and it not feel sadness, but just, you know, kind of escape from life for a, a, a moment for an hour or two. And I can do that with this movie, you know, and there are a lot of movies out there like uh last action hero. I can watch it a thousand times over. And so, yeah, for Beetlejuice, that's that's definitely for me. That it'll never get old. It'll never be outdated. So, yeah, I think I would give it. There we go. That's really good. But yeah, you know what? I'll give it a five sandworms. Five sandworms <laughs> with a extra little <laughs> sandworm and, and I that think comes I, out of its I mouth. I have to ask, Joan, what what's keeping you from the five? I, I don't know. I, I have a hard <laughs> time giving movies like a five out of five. <laughs> I, I think for me, Perfect it case. has to sure. evoke. Like a really powerful response. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. So I think four, four and a half is kind of like where I top out. Yeah. But I mean, it's a a fantastic movie. I I would recommend it to anyone. Fair. And I think the general audience kind of agrees with us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what's the... If if we want to talk about Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's it's certified fresh, 85% with the critics, 82% with the audience. So, it's huge. Yeah, if, yeah, if, that's real big. Yeah, not bad. It's uh, it's really good actually. So I think that kind of lines up with where we're at. If if you go, 
you know, by strictly numbers, you know, 85, that would be just over like a four star rating if you convert it directly. Yeah, 4.25. So I think they're kind of where we're at. Yeah. It's just, it's really good. Yeah, Yeah, I I, I can understand that. I feel like I gave in to peer pressure when Oni gave it a five and I felt pressure to give it more. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, like, I I see it for, uh, it's just the props and everything else blew me away. And I think, I think from the, just the vantage mm-hmm. point of this is what we got, let's make a masterpiece. And I feel like they, they made a masterpiece. So, I mean, it, feel free to change it. No peer pressure at all on either one of you. It's, but just thought provoking yeah. is all I want in rating conversations. But yeah, for me, for me, it's a five. Like, okay, I can't. I can't give it any less. Um, I'm on I'm on that spectrum mm-hmm. where it's gonna boost that number yep. up a little bit more. Is there uh, compared to others? Yeah. Is, is there anything like for me? There. I would love to see more <laughs> of the afterworld or the neither world as they call it. Oh yeah, that would be awesome. And in practical yeah. effects, not CGI, not uh, even in the cartoon, they they did a good job of showing it off. But I would love to see the more practical effects of the neither world. Yeah, we only got really a strong taste. That's what we need more of. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but yeah, awesome. Cool. Well, it sounds like that brings us to an end to our special holiday episode. And yeah, I look forward to the next one. Yeah, stay Absolutely. tuned, everybody out there, all you VHSs and VCRs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's going to be a good name if we ever get... Uh... If we ever get loyal loyal watchers. <laughs> loyal fans, petition for VCRs. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're I like. gonna bring it back. Yes, <laughs> we're bringing back VCRs. <laughs> oh man, awesome! Everybody have a great day. Thank you for listening, folks. Absolutely, love you guys. Thank you. See ya. The death of VHS is recorded and produced by John Walls, Dylan Bailey, Jamie Johnson, Abe Ponce, and me, Richie Stevens. Editing by Jamie Johnson. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Death of VHS. And come join us on our Discord to hang out uh, with us and other fans and to discuss the latest episode. You can find the link for our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on The Death of VHS.